Radio Influence. The future is now. This is the Valor Hour, powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy. Valor Hour, episode 76. We are on the air. I'm Valor Fights president, Tim Loy. Ed Cap out of the office today, and so it's the ever-revolving uh, co-host door tonight. We have got Justin Watson joining us for the first time on the Valor Hour, as well as my man Mark Laws, Cut Man Extraordinaire. Justin, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How you guys doing? Oh, uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, trying to recuperate from uh, a fight week, obviously. We just had Valor Fights 52 uh, this past Friday in Maryville. It's a great night of fights, a lot of action. Uh, we will recap that in in full uh, a little bit later. That'll be our main portion of uh, the show. We are also uh, talk a little bit about the upcoming UFC Fight Night card this weekend. And uh, we will also interview uh, Case Looper, who uh, was unanimously picked against by the Picks panel, so he has one coming to him, and we will knock that out tonight as well. Mark Laws, my man, you uh, you you didn't have too many too much bloodshed this past weekend. But you had a lot of hands to wrap, and you had a lot of people to wake up. How how, how you doing, <laughs> man? I'm still trying to recover. I'm in the same boat as you, Tim. It's uh it's been a long week uh, just trying to recover from it. I don't know that that Sunday before kind of set a president for the week, and I was just I was ass tired the whole week. But man, we got it done. The hell of an event, and uh, yeah, a lot of guys to wake up. It was kind of odd like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. There was, like I said, there wasn't a lot of cuts. There was some blood, but it was a lot of like blunt force trauma. <laughs> yeah, a lot of blunt force trauma. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. The mayor of course, way. Uh, Justin, Justin, you were a judge at this last event. Justin, one of the one of the best judges in in our region here, judges a lot of the events. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of touch base with you as we go along through the show and kind of get that perspective on things. I think that's pretty a pretty cool perspective that you don't necessarily get a lot of the time. So uh, I don't know exactly how you judged on some of the I know we had a couple split decisions so we'll, we'll dive into it and see if you're the, the odd man out or, or if you were on the, the majority side uh, of all that so uh, so I'm excited yeah it's episode 76 where we're creeping towards 100 we should probably do something special for episode 100 we should start thinking about what may be a good uh, special 100th episode uh, to, that we can like do take some beers yeah, right. No doubt. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Yeah. Now, uh, before we get into our interview with Case Looper, which uh, will be here in, in just a little bit and not too much longer here, about uh, five or ten minutes, let's uh, talk about what we have going on uh, this week. It is a quiet week on the regional level. However, we do have uh, UFC. We have a, a fight night event, and that will be going down in uh, Nebraska. It is UFC Fight Night 135, and is going down at the Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it features a pretty good uh, main event. We got Justin Gaethje against uh, uh, against James Vick, and uh, that's uh, that's going to be a good one. It's a it's it was a fight that uh, you know Vick is a guy that's been asking for for these main event slots now for. For a while, and he, he's he's really got a you know been impressive. He's thirteen and one overall. He's ran through all the guys he's fought, but this will still be a massive step up, I think, against Justin Gaethje because you know while Vic has been impressive, not knocking him at all, he's still kind of fought like the mid to lower end of the uh, 
of the uh, spectrum, if you will, uh, as far as his UFC fights go. But, you know, he's beat all the guys he's put in front of him or they have put in front of him. Justin Gaethje, meanwhile, has been fighting, you know, the elite, the, the, the very best in the world. I'm coming up with a record of 18 and two. And this is a kind of a, a crossroads fight for both guys. I think James Vick, he really, you know, needs a win here to put to kind of catapult himself into that upper uh, tier. And then Justin Gaethje really can't afford to drop three in a row. You know, Justin, what's your take on it? Man, I'm real happy for uh, James Vick in this. Um, like you said, he's been trying to get a top 10 fight for a long time. And uh, his last loss was, what, 2016 to Daryush. Mm-hmm. And he's on a fight win streak right now. Um, yeah, the kid definitely deserves a step up in competition. Um, Gaethje's, you know, probably uh, one of the best opponents you could get for him. Gaethje's not going to go in there and try to wrestle with him, obviously. He's just going to go in there and strike. And for James Vick, I think that's, that's probably, uh, probably a great fight for him. Mark, what's your take? Oh, it's definitely Vick's to, uh, chance to seize the opportunity here. Uh, you know, he's been clamoring for this forever, and uh, now he's getting a guy that is not just in that realm that he was looking at, but he's that guy in that realm. So, I mean, he knocks off Gaethje. That's, uh, that's a humongous win. It'll springboard him probably into into better competition across the board, man. But damn, I mean, I didn't know that Gaethje had lost two in a row, and uh, he's he he's got to put he's got to put the rubber on the road this week too. And uh, man, it's gonna be a hell of a fight. I mean, that's two impressive records going at it. And I lean towards Vic just out of personal reasons, but shit, man, that's a tough fight either way. Do you think a third loss in a row, uh, Justin? Do you think a third raw loss in a row for Gaethje is uh, the end of the line for him? No, I don't think so. I think that his fighting style, I mean, it, it, you're going to watch it every time. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's excited. Gonna he's going to be very dangerous in this fight. Um, I mean, he's going to put it all on the line for sure. If James Vick can stay out of the stay out of the storm in the early rounds, I think he'll, he'll pull it off, though. Now, the uh, co-main event, of course, uh, a featherweight contest. Interesting clash of styles here. Michael Johnson uh, taking on Andre Touchy Feely out of Alpha Male. Uh, Style-wise, it's a tough one for Feely, I think. Uh, What's your take, Mark? Yeah, Feely looks awesome, man. That's a tough one, man. I mean, Michael Johnson's got to be relieved he's not fighting another Khabib, you know. It's uh, (laughs) anything, anything... Less than Khabib's got to be a, a a win for him, and um, you know he's a talented fighter. Man, we've seen him a few times, even live in Nashville. And tough kid, uh, but man, Philly looks really good, and uh, I trust that uh, American or the uh, team alpha male pedigree. Justin, what do you think, Michael Johnson or Andre Feely? I might, me personally, I got to lean towards Johnson just stylistically. I think that he's just going to be a little too physical, and, and and Feely may have a hard time staying off his back. Yeah, well, first off, uh, Andre Feely's got my favorite nickname in the game, Andre <laughs> Touchy Feely. Oh, yeah. I don't think you can beat that one. Uh, yeah, kind of wild. Michael Johnson down to 45 now. Um, coming off a loss at 45, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough for Feely to, to deal with that kind of experience. Johnson's been in there with, you know, the best 55ers in the world. And, you know, I think he's probably going to have the size advantage. And yeah, we, uh, they'll definitely have a high reach advantage, I think. 
kind of rounding out that rounding out the main card. Uh, we've got some names. We've got some people that we, we, we should recognize. Angela Hill taking on Courtney Casey. That's going to be a good action female fight. Uh, Jake Ellenberger taking on Brian Barbarina. Brian Barbarina, a transplant from uh, the lab. He trains now out here in Knoxville where we are with the Shield Systems under Ben Harrison there with Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman as well. Real good guy, so we'll be rooting for him. Uh, John Moraga takes on uh, Davison Figueredo. And uh, and another guy that we're familiar with here, Eric Anders, uh, is uh, going to make his return uh, to the Octagon as he takes on Tim Williams. That rounds out the main card. Guys, what jumps out to you uh, out of those fights on the main card? Justin. Uh, yeah, Eric Anders is, is pretty interesting. He's a huge, huge favorite coming into this fight. Um, haven't heard much from him since he lost to Machida. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll probably come out and look pretty impressive in this one. Mark, what else on the undercard interests you? You know, I'm always going to see Angela Hill fight. Um, that, should be a, that should be a barn burner for sure. Ellenberger and Barbarina is, is killer. I didn't even know he was training at Shield Systems in Knoxville. That's nuts. But, hell, that's 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 dope, man. It's um. But I'm, I'm I'm with Justin here. I mean, Eric Anders, I talked to him quite a bit at that M1 event, and he's in a good place mentally. Uh, he seems very, very, very humbled, very put together, and is training his ass off, man. And uh, they had a pretty decent showing down there from the SBG gym out of Birmingham. Right, and then, of course, we have the preliminary card, and this is a pretty good, uh, you know, for a fight night. This is this has got a little bit of name value. James Krause uh, against Worley Alves, uh, Yuri Alcantara, Corey Sanhagen, Antri Sanchez versus Marcus Perez. Mickey Gall makes his return as he takes on George Sullivan. Uh, we got more female action with Joanne Calderwood taking on Kalindra Faria, plus uh, Drew Dober, John Tuck. And we open up with yet another Tennessee boy as Cool Hand Luke Sanders takes on a very tough submission specialist in Ronnie Yaya. Uh, what is your uh, take on, uh, on the, uh, the undercard there, Justin? Man, it's pretty stacked, isn't it? Um, it is. It is. Gall, it's it's kind of crazy. You got Mickey Gall down there. Uh, I think that kid's definitely something to watch out for. Um, I think he's gonna he's gonna make waves, and be good to see him uh, come back getting the win column. Mark, what do you think? Uh, we got we got Luke Sanders making his return. You uh, you just saw him in Nashville a couple weeks back. I did, and uh, another guy that seemed very, very, very calm, very put together, very relaxed about the fight. You know, well, I guess everybody's relaxed two or three weeks out, but uh, you know, he he he's one of those guys that always comes in pretty, pretty cool, calm, and collected. You know, I think he might come in. You know, coming off that last win, uh, this might be a little bit more of a grappling-oriented contest with Ronnie Aya. And uh, but man, James Krause, that's the fight right there, man. That's uh, versus Alves. I'm a huge Krause fan, and God, I got the savage, man. <laughs> Definitely excited for it. We will uh, kind of touch base on all these fights after we, we take them all in this Saturday, and uh, next week we'll kind of give our reactions on those. But make sure you check it out. It is UFC Fight Night 135, and it's pretty much uh, the, uh, the the leader as far as uh, events goes this week. There's not a whole lot going on, so uh, that'll be on Fox Sports 1 with the prelims on Fox Sports 2 Saturday night. August the 25th. So without further ado, let's move on to our interview portion of the uh, of the podcast. And uh, let's uh, chat up Case Looper. All right. On the line, we have undefeated Muay Thai 
fighter Case Looper coming off of a big decision win this past weekend at Valor Fights 52 in Maryville at the Shed as he got a decision over a very tough Andrew Sturdivant in a fight that uh, was a contender for fight of the night. Case, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. We appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your night to chat with us. Uh, like I just mentioned, you're coming off of a, a great, a great win and in a fight that uh, changed it, you know, as, 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 as these things happen, uh, as you're well, well aware, especially in the amateurs, we had some last minute shuffling a, a week or so out, but from the fight, uh, your original opponent fell out, Sturdivant's original opponent fell out. So we're just like, let's put these two together. It makes sense. And uh, we ended up getting a great fight out of it. Uh, give us a, a little bit of uh, your take on it. You know, what was your experience like? Well, my original opponent was at 145. So that cut was the most challenging I've done yet. My first fight was at 55. But, I mean, I a week out when you told me the five-pound I got a five pound more allowance that really helped me out to feel a lot better, even though it was a lot harder for me to gain that a little bit of that weight back. Cause I was still having to work through the wheat and then the sun and the sweat and everything. So I gained a little bit of weight back. He walked in there. He looked like a really good opponent. He looked like a stud athlete. I got to talking to him a little bit after the fight. He said he used to wrestle in high school and he was a, he was a great kid, great opponent, uh, challenged me a lot. I honestly thought I wasn't going to walk out of there with the win. Uh, I honestly felt like I was, I can fight a lot better than that because I'm a lot more experienced than, than I am from when I had my first fight. It was actually a little over a year ago. I actually, actually took some time off, but I still, still pulled it out. And I mean, I went back to look at the tape and I mean, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't look as bad as I thought I did. I mean, yes, it's my second fight. I've got, Tons of room for improvement, but I mean, I, I had a lot of fun, man. It was a great show. I honestly would love to come back to Tennessee and fight for y'all again. Well, you definitely put on a great performance, and uh, and like you said, uh, your opponent stirred him, and he, he's we always we always kind of refer to him as like a little mini Sage Northcutt because he looks kind of like Sage Northcutt in a, a 145 version, you know. But uh, very athletic, comes from a, from a good striking gym at Blaylock's IMB. So uh, hats off to you for knocking off a, a, a good, solid opponent there. Now, you train at a Striker Fight Center in uh, Kennesaw, Georgia. Uh, of course, uh, we've had several of your teammates up here on cards, including Cody Linder, who was on uh, this card with you, but also Jason Wolf and Andy Dierkashente and so many more. Uh, talk a little bit about your training there at Striker and uh, you know what, what led you to, uh, to, to get into this whole this whole uh uh debacle that we that we do <laughs> well it's i i used to play football and so i kind of got injured going into my senior year so i i didn't let me play and from then on i went to wrestling i fell in love with wrestling and once my senior year ended i was i was stuck with no sport i didn't get to go to college and play ball and i was i've always wanted to try I mean, what I thought I was going to fall in love with was just MMA, but I, when I turned 19, moved out, daddy couldn't tell me I couldn't play it anymore, so I went and signed up at Stryker, and I basically just fell in love with Muay Thai. I tried to incorporate all of the, you know, different arts that they provide, like judo, jiu-jitsu. I tried to cram it all into one of me being so, so green to the sport, and I wasn't really grasping anything, and... I started falling in love with Ty, just standing and banging. So 
I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll transfer uh, once I get maybe a couple more fights under my belt. Maybe I'll transfer to MMA. You might see that. You might not. I don't know. It just it just depends. But I would I would love to round myself not just as a fighter but as an athlete. I love I love watching the ground game. I just don't have experience in it, so I can't really play my game there. So if well, if I pick it up in the next year or so, maybe maybe I can get. Uh, maybe go up a belt from white to whatever. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's <laughs> well, you know, I'll have to learn all that stuff. That kind of led led, 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 led into my, what I was going to ask next. And I didn't realize you had a wrestling background. So that's good to know. Um, you know, you had told me, you know, I'm only, I'm only interested in doing Thai. I don't really want to do MMA. Um, you know, Sturdivant was originally set to do MMA, but was just wanted to compete, you know, no matter what. So was willing to take the tie, uh, the tie fight. Uh, so, so you do have uh, potential. You're saying of maybe jumping into MMA in the future. You're saying maybe not at the same time. And, and, and I can respect that. You know, Ty is starting to really take off, especially around in the region. You know, what half of our part, uh, was was that this time. Uh, you know, and, and we, it, it provided some really good action. And especially now with us being able to to, to remove the headgear on guys that aren't just complete beginners, uh, I think it provides the crowd with just a. It gives the crowd a better look. It looks like it doesn't necessarily feel like so amateurish, if you will. And b. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think, and I and b. I think it, it just allows the fighter to be able to to see so much better, you know. And uh, exactly. You know, we, we, that's a debate that we get into a lot around here. Uh, so yeah, I, I can dig it, man. Uh, Justin, Justin, you were Justin Watson was was actually a judge for this fight. Uh, what was your take on uh, on this one, Justin? How's it going, Case? I'm all right, buddy. How you doing? Pretty good, man. I was really impressed with you uh, this weekend. So you thought you thought uh, when the when the scorecards came out, you thought you had won or no? No, I thought I thought. I thought Andrew had it, man. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, I'm not saying I wasn't confident, but I just I felt like he outshowed me. He had a couple knockdowns, and he had I think he had a sweep. But I know I had a couple knockdowns. It was just real close. But he he just he was just a lot bigger, a lot stronger than me, man. I thought he overpowered me, but it took a while for me to realize like okay, I didn't I didn't look as crappy as I thought it would. But no, man, I thought I lost the fight straight up. Yeah, he was a big guy. Um... Most of the, I didn't see any. There was no actual knockdowns. It was a couple of slips, uh, but none yeah, of them scored as knockdowns. Yeah. Uh, so the first judge scored it 29-28 for you. The second judge scored it 30-27 for him. That's a pretty pretty wide margin there. Uh, I was the third yeah. judge, so I scored it. I scored it 29-28 for you. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought you outpaced him. Um, I thought you won rounds two and three. I thought you looked really good. How old are you? I'm I'm 22. 22. Oh, yeah. I first competed when I was I think right about to turn 21. Where was that at? That was actually for uh, corporate fight night at the Atlanta Aquarium. That was actually a really cool venue too. Okay. The Muay Thai is awesome. Um, you know, like Tim said, taking off. I don't know why it's not bigger in America than it is, but um, the more eyes they get on it, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a growing sport around here. Uh, but, but yeah, MMA is always there to check out too. So, Case, yeah. 
So, Case, you, uh, as he, he kind of told you the, the scores there, how, how it went. From my uh, from my perspective, I thought it, I really could have seen it going either way, but I was leaning your way as well because I felt like you moved forward and kind of had control of the cage uh, more more so. where Because the damage was real close. And, uh, you know, they, they tell the judges to, to, to judge based on uh, damage first, dominance second, as far dominance meaning positional dominance and aggression and so with with you guys so close in the in the damage department it, it was i mean you guys both landed you know really close amounts of shots you kind of held that center you know you kind of walked him down and had him had him uh you know retreating it not not retreating but but on but taking backward steps if you will so that's I think that, what i was looking in the film that's exactly yes. what i was seeing in the film <clears throat> mark you were out there for this one uh, what was your take Man, I couldn't believe how good Case looked just coming forward. He was, uh, yeah, I thought he was countering okay in the first, but I didn't have him win in the first. I didn't win in the second, the third, but I knew it was going to be close. I mean, Sturdivant is a fucking physical specimen, man. I mean, yeah, that guy just looks the part, you know, and you're just like, oh, shit. Like, no matter how good you're feeling, I got physique will make you feel like shit any day, you know? So, yeah, yeah I get it. I get it 100%, but. Yeah, the the judging was a little skewed on it. I, I'm glad to have heard that. Who who made it 3027? Just out of curiosity. I have no idea. I have no idea. We know it wasn't Justin, so it was one of the yeah. other teams. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Right. But yeah, I, I, right. got it right. So, Case, I up next, you told me I think you've got one for NFC coming up in October. Any any details on that one yet? I actually talked to Jesse Wable today. He said he hasn't uh, seen anything in my weight division yet he said he'll let me know if he does he said he was Very actually nice. watching uh the valor fight he said he said i look pretty good he was looking forward to having me back nice nice well uh, we wish you the best of luck on that one man of course nfc another great promotion so uh we we wish you uh the best of skills in that one and hope to have you back here in valor at the first of the year as we talked about i'm gonna let you uh have the floor here to give some shout outs where they're due any love you want to give to uh any sponsors teammates family friends uh whatever oh, yeah, <laughs> appreciate it buddy yeah i'd like to give a shout out to obviously my teammate cody linder also got the win um my my coaches uh frank and jason uh my family obviously god and all of y'all over at valor i appreciate y'all having me it's been an honor i can't wait to fight for y'all again once again this has been undefeated rising muay thai prospect case looper coming off a big win at valor fights 52 as he defeated andrew sturdivant by decision. Keep an eye out on this guy. He is definitely a prospect to watch. We appreciate the time. Thanks so much, Case. All right. Thank you, buddy. Have a good night. All right. It is time for our main segment of the show, and we are going to recap the exciting night that was Valor Fights 52. It all went down this past Friday night, August the 17th, at the Shed in Maryville, Tennessee. One of our favorite venues to go to, always best it was a hot day getting ready for this thing, but uh, but then it kind of got overcast and we ended up getting some rain. But uh, it was in a way it was cool because it kind of drove everyone in underneath the uh, underneath the shed, if you will. And uh, we we kind of got everybody up there close and it was uh, it just kept it nice and electric and, and it kind of showed uh maybe kind of showed everyone that hey it can rain at this at this bitch and we and us be okay <laughs> you know so, <laughs> it rained for about the last you know 45 minutes or so and it was 
and it really, it, we didn't skip a beat. So uh, first, I want to thank uh, Josh Formont and everyone at the Shed and Smoky Mountain Harley Davidson for hosting us yet again. That was uh, another great, great show and uh, great venue. So we're excited to be back there again next year for, for more spring and summer action. Uh, we had our picks panel, which is brought to us by National Top Roller. Thank you to Dustin Koppel and National Top Roller, as always. And we'll be talking more about their upcoming team change championship uh, that they are beginning to plan in the coming months. Uh, But they are the sponsor of our picks panel prize. And um, we dropped the ball on our picks panel uh, scores for the first uh, event, which was Valor 51. And my mission was to have gone back and listened to that or have had or well, actually Ed had written down the the scores and uh, wasn't around them last week. And now Ed isn't with us this week and I didn't have time to listen to it again. So uh, I will hopefully have updated like overall tallies for, uh, for, for our picks panel next week. But I do have the tally for the, this past event. And uh, once again, it was pretty close. We had a, a new front runner emerge. Jeff Hobbs has his best week ever. Maybe he, he came through with 14 14- 14 points uh, on this event, uh, picking the winner and the method. Of course, uh, they the, the picks panelists had to pick the winner in order for their method bonus point to count. Um, and Jeff Hobbs had 14 points. Alan Poole, Sawyer Rich, both with 12. And Mark Laws and Billy Swanson, both with 11. Um, but I do believe Mark had a pretty – had the lead coming into the week. So everything is probably counterbalanced out to where everybody's really fucking close. Uh, so – uh, without further ado, let's jump into this thing. We opened up as we normally do with the kids, and it was uh-huh. junior we tie, and uh, it was a good one. Uh, Blake Randall of American Killer Bees makes his debut uh, against West Sexton out of North Knox Ishinru, and uh, it was uh, it was a back and forth battle, man. Uh, Blake Randall and West Sexton both showed a lot of toughness. Blake is uh, is going to be a very very bright prospect. He showed um, very quick, very busy. Um, obviously has worked a lot of uh, those uh, knees and the tie clinch uh, training with David uh, Robbins at American Killer Bees in Cleveland and uh, and comes out and gets a head kick knockout in the second round uh, over West Sexton. Uh, those always make me jump a little bit whenever the kids go down like that because it's, uh, you know, they're kids. And uh, Sexton showed a lot of heart, a lot of toughness, tenacity, never backed down. And uh, I think that we will see both of these young men again very soon, hopefully. Uh, they're, they're 12 and 13 years old, you know, so these are these are very, very young uh, teens and preteens even. And so I think that, uh, you know, by the time they turn 18, uh, if they stick with it, then we that's that's how you get your next Chase Boutwells and those types. Uh, Justin, what, what was your take on it? That was that was a big knockout. How old did you say Blake was? Um, 12 and 30. Um, I, I want to say, OK, uh, the, I want to say Wes was 12, but he no, was no. big. He, he had like maybe five or seven pounds on Blake, who was 13. And um, but neither of them had competed yet. That's crazy. Man, those kids were both going at it. Wes, super tough. Uh, Blake, man, he didn't look like he was going to be, you know, such a killer. That head kick was nasty. Yeah, really quick, very technical. Mark, what did you think? You you, you were one of the first to get in there to attend to to Mr. Sexton. 
man, you just don't see 13-year-old kids sleeping pulls of head kicks, man. I mean, it, it, it's unnerving at first. You're just like, holy shit, where'd that come from? But, man. Man, he's got a lot of a lot of power behind his kicks and punches, and man, is 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 just precision is is unbelievable to be a junior. You just don't see that in in junior uh, kickboxing Muay Thai like that. At least not in our realms a lot. So it was it was crazy. Good for no, him. You really don't. You really don't. I it, most of our our uh, juniors matches go through the decision. You don't have a whole lot of just huge power shots landed, and especially at way you know these guys were. Yeah. I want to say that Sexton was one like one twenty nine, one thirty, and I want to say that they Randall were both one twenty nine, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there. I mean, but Blake, I believe, could could fight as they wanted to fight as low as one twenty. So. Oh. Uh, so, so these are these are these are some little bitties. Uh, moving on, uh, we had uh, more Muay Thai action. We had John Cotavilla making his uh, debut out of Shield Systems, Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, coached by Ben Harrison there, and he took on Peyton Hughes out of Four Seasons in Lexington, Kentucky. He uh, had a he was one and zero. Peyton Hughes was one and zero in MMA coming in, but this is also his Thai debut, uh, and this was another good one, man. Uh, this one, I I believe that this one may. Had, this one, it was definitely a decision, and John Cotaville definitely won. I just can't recall if it was a split decision or unanimous. Do you, Justin? Uh, yeah, it was a split decision. It was a split decision. So this was one of those that you could have uh, – that could have gone either way, honestly. Um, and, and much like we were talking earlier with Case Looper about his fight, uh, this is one of those fights where I felt like Hughes – um, probably landed the bigger, more telling shots over the course of the fight. However, he really started to slow down and kind of gas in the third round, and, and, he, and, he, and he looked it, if you will. He showed it. And that that's never good to the judges, I think. And um, and, and Cota Villa just kind of stayed busy on him. You know what I mean? He just kind of – he just kind of, you know, it didn't look like he ever really hurt him too bad, but he definitely was busy and in a lot of accumulation. I had it one to one going into the third, and honestly didn't get to see the third live too too well. But uh, it didn't seem like either uh, Hughes had too big a problem with the decision. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, both guys I'm sure learned a lot from the experience, and I'm excited to see both of them in action again. I think that uh, John Cotavilla showed uh, a lot of good technique there, uh, and if he if he is. Able Able to develop some more uh, power, you know, to go along with that, he'll be a force. Justin, what was your take? Yeah, um, you know what weight class Peyton fought MMA at? Well, yeah, he, he Peyton actually wants to fight at one seventy to one eighty five, and he did this at two hundred pounds, so he didn't cut any weight. Right? Yeah, I could tell he was a lot smaller. Um, I mean, super tough kid. I think he's got a lot of uh, a lot of talent. Um, he was just outsized. Uh, you know, dealing with a guy that much bigger than you, it puts it puts takes a toll on your body. Um, makes you tired pretty quick. Uh, you know, I think John put in the work. He was ready. His cardio was there. And, you know, I had uh, first round for Peyton, uh, and then second and third round for John. Mark, what was your take? This is a this one was uh, was back and forth. Not a lot of blood or anything, but uh, some a, a good a good fight between two debuts. Yeah, I only got to see bits and pieces of this one. I've actually seen Peyton Hughes fight before. I think it might have been done on an Angel show in uh, down towards Nashville. Is that where he comes from? He's from Lexington, Kentucky. That doesn't mean he didn't. Four seasons guy. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm pretty sure that he fought down there. Hmm. But John looked good, man. I mean, he came to fight, and he he way oversized uh, Peyton, you know, and I. 
it just it seemed to be uh, they they were going back and forth, and I had a one to one go. I did the same, all based on information I was being fed from the back of me while I wrapped hands, of course. But uh, yeah, hell of a fight, man. Uh, it's, I was glad to see both those guys come back, and I'm sure they they definitely took something away from it. Our third bout of the night, also Muay Thai, and uh, we got into the advanced here. We had uh, Jonathan Ace Romines, formerly Moodyham, to those that aren't aware that he changed uh, his name here in the past year or two. Um, he was actually making his Thai debut, but has had you know, 10, 12 MMA fights. He's been around a while. Uh, representing National Martial Arts, turned by Dustin Cobble, taking on Cody Linder, the teammate of uh, Case Looper, who we spoke to earlier. So obviously he fights also out of Striker Fight Center in Kennesaw. He came in with a uh, one and two record, I believe. Uh, but both these guys have put on a good show. It was an, it was another uh, decision, and I believe it was unanimous this time in favor of Cody Linder. Um, and uh, I don't. Uh, I don't recall that there were any knockdowns in this fight. It was it was uh, you know not certainly not as as many just crushing blows landed as uh, in some of our other bouts. But uh, Cody Linder with a unanimous decision uh, victory to even his record up, and it was also great to have him on the show. Uh, class act and another another tough guy. Uh, Justin, what do you think about this one? You're uh, it was unanimous decision, I believe. Yeah, um, I had the first round going to eighth. He came out. You know, it looked good in the beginning. Uh, I think he just kind of gassed out. Um, Cody kind of took over second and third round. Mark, did you get a chance to check this one out? Yeah, I saw most of it. I, I was a little disappointed in uh, Ace's cardio. I figured with him having all that MMA experience, that, that would have translated a little bit better into the into the Muay Thai cardio. Yeah, you know, Ace, I believe, had a like a combat grappling match just like the week before it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, moving on to our next bout, another tie fight. And I didn't know if this one was going to happen until the very last minute, but it did. Uh, Christian Bradbury with a unanimous decision over Greg Cook. Greg Cook, of course, the hometown guy from Maryville, uh, came in really late. Like, I, we had gotten to the point where we were, where David Robbins was going to step in and fight Bradbury uh, in his stead. And he showed up about, man, it wasn't. 15 minutes before we were about to start and got wrapped up and, and ran out there and uh, put on a pretty good fight. You know, uh, Christian Bradbury, of course, making his debut, but he has a lot of MMA experience. Um, but this is the first time he has fought on Valor and in tie rules. And so um, very technical. Chris trained by Josh Kate. Uh, first time we've seen him in a while. So that was good. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, though, we didn't have any knockdowns. It was a fairly a clear, I felt, uh, decision that Bradbury won. However, again, Cook makes a good accounting for himself. He's so tall and rangy and awkward more than anything. It's tough to fight a guy like that because you just really can't simulate the way he fights in training. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Um, kind of upset. Uh, I kind of wish Greg Cook wouldn't have showed up now. Yeah, that would have been a – yeah, Robbins and Bradbury would have been something else. Yeah, that would have been a good fight. What was the uh, Bradbury? He was he had a title with him. What was that for? That he is the Titans of the Cage 185 MMA champion. Okay, so he fights out of he comes he goes up to Virginia up there in Whistle. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like you know he did pretty good. He, I feel like he should have finished the fight. Um, he, you know, he kind of picked him apart the whole time. I had all three rounds going to Bradbury. But, yeah, David Robbins and Bradbury would have been a hell of a fight. 
Yeah, you never know. We may get to see that still. Mark, what you think? You, uh, you've now gotten to see uh, Cook fight a couple times now. Your first time seeing Bradbury, though. Yeah, I'm less impressed with Cook's uh, um, tardiness than uh, Bradbury's skills. But uh, uh, Bradbury <laughs> came out impressive. I think he could have finished it, too. I echo what Justin says. But, you know, I mean, to be at the top of the cage, MMA champs come down and put on a more tough fight and still be willing to fight David Robbins, which I thought Josh Tate was setting his ass up. I was like, oh, you're only going to fight David Robbins? That's not really the move. <laughs> you know, but, I, I, shit, this might be a whole different conversation with that fight takes place. I'm excited to see it if it does. After that, we had uh, the fight that we've already kind of discussed a little bit as Case Looper uh, proves the picks panel wrong as all five picks panelists picks Andrew Sturdivant. By varying method. No, actually, they all put pick sturdiment, but to finish Case Looper when, in fact, Case Looper wins the split decision in a uh, fight that I would give the runner up as the fight of the night. It was great. It was uh, a lot of action. Uh, and is a, not to rehash what we already said, but essentially, you know, I, I had it. Um, I had it probably two to one for Case. It was really close. Couldn't win either way. As he said, he didn't know that he had won it there live. But I think the at the end of the day, the cage control probably may have been the deciding factor. Uh, hopefully we get to see both of those guys again. Sertiman also a, a really good prospect. We, we were high on as well. Um, after that, we had um, a short notice fight. Nick Wigley of KMAA was originally to face a fellow named Eric Elliott, who uh, bailed on us about three days or four days before. Bud Cook steps up and makes the ride out from Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, to, to take this fight on short notice. And, um, you know, Bud was, uh, was hoping for a guy that would stand with him. He's, he has been, you know, taken down and, um, in most of his, his losses. And so, uh, Wigley obliged and we had a pretty good little trade, uh, uh, trade of, uh, a fisticuffs, if you will, against the cage. And, uh, Wigley got the better of it as he drops Bud Cook and finishes him off with strikes proving the picks panel. All right. On this one, uh, your thoughts, Justin. Wilmington, North Carolina, man. That's a long drive. Bud keeps making oh, it. Yeah. It's a haul, man. It is a haul. Yeah. Um, kind of what I expected to see. Uh, Nick did kind of shoot for a takedown, got him up against the cage, and then he kind of broke loose from the clinch, landed a few shots, and, and Bud just kind of couldn't handle it. Um, but, yeah, Nick looked good, though. Mark. Yeah, I was super impressed with that Wiggly kid, man. This is my first uh, time really around him. And, uh, man, he's, uh, he's a pretty funny guy, man. And I uh, enjoyed my time around him. And, man, he went out and did what he said he was going to do uh, to a T. And can't hit him with that. You know, all props go to Bud Cook. You know, that's a long-ass drive, bro, to come down to spend 30 seconds in a cage. But, hell, Bud, Bud enjoys it all, you know. And, um, shit, it's all about the experience, I guess. Hopefully Bud comes back stronger and better. And, well, we appreciate Bud for for stepping up there and saving that Absolutely. fight at the last minute, and uh, and props to Nick Wigley for uh, taking the adjustment in stride and uh, getting it done uh, as he uh, starts the night off for th- uh, a trio of KMAA fighters with a win. Um, after that, we uh, moved on in MMA. We had a welterweight contest. This one was pretty good. This one was uh, interesting. Definitely clash of styles as we expected. Joe Boer, the uh, submission specialist out of King Sport Tennessee. 
Tennessee Total Self Defense Academy, where I believe he is the instructor. He uh, took on uh, Emery Norred, who is a hot prospect out of Blaylock's IMB, uh, who came in at one and zero and looking to come off a win um, on his uh, day off of his debut in Alabama. Uh, this one was uh, back and forth, and and we uh, I believe I'm not sure if it was the second or the third round, but eventually uh, Emery Norred uh, comes through with a head kick that drops. Joe Booer and uh, finishes him off with a TKO victory, but not uh, without uh, some trepidation. He was put in some really bad spots early. Booer had some uh, some chances to go for you know uh, some arm bars and things like that, and he was certainly in the fight. That was uh, that was a fight that uh, that definitely was that could have gone either way at any moment. Uh, so uh, congrats to Emery who moves on a two and zero, and he's a uh, he's a specimen. He is a he is a uh, very athletic kid, and uh, in I expect uh, big things from him, and uh, we'll see. Uh, Joe Booer bounces back. He uh, he was fine after the fight, ready to to jump back in there and and try to get back to five hundred. Uh, your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, man, that was a fun fight. Uh, Booer gets taken down and then hits the omoplata to reverse it, gets side control, and then goes from for an armbar from the top. Um, he started out great. Uh, Emory rolled him, got back on top. Um, Henry Emory ended up. Uh, on top of the end of the round, um, I had round one going to Emory. Um, and then, man, in the second round, Joe didn't really have much for him. Uh, Emory was just landing kicks left and right and then opened the head up, you know. That was uh, that was uh, that was a, a big uh, head kick there that uh, kind of gave the crowd a, 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 a ooh moment there, you know. Mark, what did you think about this one? I thought I thought Boer was controlling very well early. I mean, his submission attempts were were remarkable. Um, his transitions were nice. He didn't use his hands near enough. So I keep bitching at him about that all the time. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I, to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu and uh, to teach us on school, I I thought that Emory really held his own and then some. I mean, those leg kicks were were damning, and then that head kick. Whoo! I think it was late in the third, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, well, it might have been the second. What was it, the second or the third, Justin? Uh, it was the second. Second. The head kick. Yeah, he landed two head kicks. The first one, he kind of just landed with the toes. Um, the second one, mm-hmm. it came off of the clinch. Like, he broke off the clinch. Was yeah. Time taking down. He broke the clinch and threw a head kick. Um, still landed with his toes. If he would have landed it two or three inches higher, I mean, Bill would have been asleep for a little while. Mark would have had to get in there and wake him up. But um, <laughs> he landed with the toes. But I mean, Booer still went straight down. You know that 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 uh, that guy is uh, like I said. I, I project him to be a, a very very good prospect, and I think that uh, you know there's a lot of intriguing matchups now at 170 that that uh, Emory Norred could 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 fall into. I think that that would be really good, uh, maybe versus a a Tevin Brown or someone like that or a Trevor Peak, uh, just to kind of throw some names out there. Moving on, we had uh, another uh, yeah, snafu, if you will, originally. Uh, scheduled to be Kevin Dyke taking on Timothy Blevins in MMA. Kevin Dyke with an injury late that uh, pulls him out of the fight and he is replaced by his teammate the returning Travis Chitwood uh, who we have not seen in a long time but he is uh, well well trained and well experienced, a, a vet of the sport but he just hasn't been competing. Uh, he steps up to, uh, to replace his teammate but uh, with uh, it being such short notice and ends up uh, having to change to being a tie fight. 
Um, I will preface this with Chitwood, you know, is only about five, seven and uh, normally would fight at about 155 pounds with a proper, with a proper training camp. So, uh, you know, even with him having, uh, quite a bit more MMA experience over Blevins. Uh, there was a pretty good size. Uh, well, I mean, they weighed the same, but I think just uh, if in, in Chitwood's optimal uh, condition, he wouldn't be sniffing anywhere near fighting at 200 pounds. <laughs> so uh, it, just to kind of preface it with that, uh, Blevins uh, rolls with the punches essentially, and it's down to fight whoever. And, uh, and so we, uh, that's kind of how this one was set up. And, uh, the setup was a lot longer than the fight. And, and about nine seconds in, they had a, they had a good exchange along the cage, but, uh, but Chitwood's able to get him, uh, to get Blevins back to the cage, lands a big, uh, right hook, if I can remember. And it sent Blevins sideways. And that was that, uh, and Travis Chitwood with a knockout of the night winner there on very short notice good to see him back in action and uh props to timothy blevins for for facing a guy that has you know considerably more combat sports experience although uh blevins actually had a tie fight before this and uh and, and, and chitwood had never uh and coming off the couch so like i said all things considered i felt like that evened it out somewhat your thoughts justin oh what is team what's that who is Team No Regrets? Team No Regrets is uh, that's, Timothy's, that's Timothy's own team, I think. I think maybe he, it's like his group of guys. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, Travis shouldn't have been in there with a 205-pounder, but he wasn't in there for very long. Put him to sleep pretty fast, so I guess it wasn't a bad idea. Yeah, no doubt. I wonder uh, I wonder if we will see Chitwood back in action, maybe in MMA here before too long. And, uh, maybe he'll get the itch. We'll see. Mark, what do you think? Uh, was that uh, – uh, I will say that, that that Blevins did answer the count. He he was not – he uh, but they st- but they waved it off. Was it was it a good stoppage still, Mark? Yeah, that was a good stoppage, man. His eyes were rolling back in his head. But, man, how great was it to see Travis Chitwood back in the cage? How crazy. I thought I was like – I thought I was in a time warp or something. He came to me and was talking to me. I was like, ah, man, this guy looks so familiar. But <laughs> I don't know. His, his, his fighting style kind of reminds you of like a smaller Josh Short. You know, he's no matter if he's been in the gym, that motherfucker's coming to bang, dude. And he can knock your, knock your teeth down your throat. And hell, he proved it. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. he did it on coming off the couch, man, with a with a single right hand. And uh, yeah, when, when uh, Blevin stood up, I was like, oh, he don't look real good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yes, they made the right call. Up next, we had another upset. Uh, the entire picks panel wrong on the next one. We uh, we will uh, uh, owe an interview there as well. But it was Tanner, uh, Stephen Tanner, uh, of, of Bullman's uh, kickboxing crop, Maga, a guy that we have seen fight in several Muay Thai fights, very skilled. Uh, but he was making his MMA debut uh, on this evening, and he took on a debuting Taylor Wilson, also out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Taylor is a guy that I, I believe he has trained some at some other places, maybe even KMA some in the past. But he's kind of doing his own thing with his own group now. Uh, the entire picks panel picked uh, Stephen Tanner in this one. However, that was not to be as uh, Tanner gets stuck in a guillotine and, and, and fought it for, for a while. He fought it for a, a, for what seemed to be at least a minute or so. but uh, Just couldn't seem to get out of there and eventually succumbed. Uh, Taylor Wilson with the debut win and the upset of the picks panel. Uh, your thoughts, Justin? Oh, uh, yeah. Taylor came out, landed one one jab, and um, 
it was like Steven tried to clinch with him. I'm not sure um, if it was just a good shot or what, but uh, as soon as he went into the clinch, Taylor just kind of tried to lock onto that neck, and I think he had it for like a minute and 15 seconds or something, but uh, probably in the last 15 seconds, he really sank it in, uh, got, him a, got a body triangle on him and, and uh, stretched it out. It was pretty much over from that point. Mark, was that a surprise to you? Oh hell yeah! I, mean, I was I was pretty blown away by it. You know, any Bowman's guy coming up there to uh, to do MMA like that, you know, your your mind always wonders if, if if they're strictly in that kickboxing mindset. And I don't know that that guillotine was it, we just got sunk in. I thought he could step over and Vaughn threw him, and uh, man, that shit was just so deep. And that he he fought it for a while, and it looked like he was getting ready to escape, and then just right last day, he just locked in that body triangle and just cinched his ass up. It was beautiful. You kind of take those things for granted after you see him enough times. I I, I was just like, well, he's trying to guilty, and he's eventually yep. going to get out of this, <laughs> you know. And yep. uh, and the fight will dry. Not this one. Yep. All right, moving on. Our next one was our was the fight of the night, man. This was some fire here. This oh was, yeah, this was crazy. Uh, Joseph James Arden, uh, a hometown guy, Maryville, Tennessee, makes his debut against Rodrigo Martinez. Uh, now representing KMAA for the first time. This was his first fight out of KMAA in Frankie's Body Shop. And, uh, man, tell you what, this one was uh, – it had the crowd – you know, like, it felt like the place was shaking, even though it couldn't be because we were outside. But it was it was, uh, it was was insane. And both these guys had large crowd contingencies there, uh, both guys big, swolled-up middleweights. You know, and um, man, I tell you, Arden was coming out and and pressing a very, very heavy pace, swinging, swinging some heavy leather. Um, the first round, he was he was really, I mean, golly, that they were throwing so hard, both guys. Uh, Arden was a was a little ramped up, you know. He, I, the, the, I don't know the moment maybe he got to him, but he he got a little uncomposed, a little wild at times. So Rigo, uh, Rodrigo was able to 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 dodge a lot of those big overhand haymakers. Had he not, then, uh, you know, it could have been an early lights out. But um, as Arden started to fade some, um, Martinez was able to to kind of start just chipping away at him. And, you know, Arden would miss and, and Rodrigo would come with an uppercut, you know. And, and it, at the same time, you know, Arden showed a lot of toughness and just a lot of just natural fight in him. That He's got those things that you can't teach. And uh, I think if he gets with a good, legitimate gym uh, for training, he could be somebody to really keep an eye out for. But uh, Rodrigo Martinez, uh, you know, he kind of stuck to their stuck to their game plan. It was one of those really you could tell Eric Turner in the corner. It was just one of those hairy fights where it's, you know, your guy's winning. You know, he's he's uh, you know, he's, he's getting the better of him through the exchanges. But at any moment it could change. And, and it almost did as uh, Arden landed a big uh, a big shot that dropped Rodrigo late. And I, I thought that the referee was going to step in. Um, that Rodrigo was starting to get up, and so I was glad that he didn't. But I really thought he was about to. <laughs> and uh, you know, it ended up uh, coming back and getting a. Uh, I, I, he went with a with a, a Von Prucho. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I thought it was an anaconda. Yeah, at first, at first, I thought that it was just going to be like an arm triangle, but but uh, he, he wins with a Von Prue choke, and man, um, it was awesome. The crowd goes crazy. Uh, nothing, nothing for either guy uh, to be ashamed of in that fight. Arden uh, can definitely uh, count on always having a, a spot on a Valor card, and Rodrigo Martinez goes to two and one. It, it, you know, makes good on his debut with KMAA and Frankie's shows what they've been teaching him, and uh, kind of, like I said, stuck stuck to his game plan through a very 
uh, hairy fight, if you will. Justin, what'd you think? And the first thing that blew me away was how many people were there for James Garden. Yeah, you know, right. KMA got a huge following, and you kind of expect it to be loud when their fighter comes out. And James Arden's fans were louder than KMA. Um, looking at the kid, he's jacked. He's super thick. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, a lot of reasons to support him, I guess. But um, I'm assuming he wrestled in high school or something. Um, he kind of just came out and just was throwing wild punches. I mean, Rodrigo is, was crisp, clean, everything that you expect from, from uh, you know, a KMA fighter. Um, you know, on point technically. That punch that caught him in the second round, man, that, that was close. Like you said, I thought the referee was going to jump in, and he didn't. And it uh, ended up going Rodrigo's way, but it was real close. Mark, what did you think? Uh, I kind of echo what Justin that that the pop from just the walk out of that blew my freaking mind. I was like, how many people know this Arden kid? This is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, Rodrigo got a pretty good pop too, though. It was, uh, man, that was like, it was definitely the fight of the night. And it was the pace that they set and the way that they were swinging. I mean, you knew this, uh, one of them was going to die. And, uh, man, just as time went on, Rodrigo just ended up putting it on him. But, hell, he, he definitely took a few as well. He earned it. Okay, moving on to our feature bout. It was Tevin Badtime Brown of Kings MMA and Muay Thai in Knoxville, moving to four and one now as he defeats Fred Harvey out of Shelbyville Martial Arts, the first round TKO. Fred Harvey comes in with probably more lifetime training experience, uh, but Tevin with more in cage experience uh, manages to get the takedown and pounds him out uh, without instance. Uh, any more to add to that, Justin? No, man. Uh, Tevin looked great. Um, Super clean. His boxing was on point. He kind of just threw Fred to the ground and uh, finished him off. You know, made Fred give him his back and and uh, pounded him out from from the back. Now Tevin is Nothing asking good. for a for a title fight now, and I believe we've got to give it to him. Mark, you think he's ready to uh, step in for a welterweight uh, strap shot? Yes, that all depends on who the opponent is, but I mean, he he looks pretty ready. I'm I'm not sure that that was as adequate as a, of a test as what he really needed before the before talked about. But nothing gets you prep, kind of like a title fight, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, no um, Harvey uh, didn't offer a shit to him really. Uh, I thought that he was going to be a little more put together, but then again, Tevin uh, is he's an animal, man. Once he got that takedown and started dropping them dropping them hands on him. Harvey didn't want to be there. I don't know how long that fight lasted, but it wasn't long enough for me to re-put on gloves. Yeah, that that one didn't take too long. It was, uh, I, I guess, about a minute and a half, two minutes into the first round. Yeah. Um, I know a co-main event, this was one that a lot of people were excited for, and uh, it was a number one contender fight of sorts for the uh, lightweight strap. Joseph Long of uh, American Killer Bees awaits the winner. And uh, we had Caleb Miller of uh, KMAA, undefeated taking on Logan Crowley, a guy from Oneida that has really kind of come on the scene in uh, this year and made some waves. It's very much another clash of styles here. Caleb, uh, the, uh, the grappler, if you will, and, uh, the submission specialist, uh, undefeated at four and looking, uh, to take the fight to the ground. And he was successful in doing so, uh, was not able to find the submission, uh, throughout the course of the fight though, as he ends up taking a decision victory, Logan Crowley, 
uh, with a lot of power, a lot of pop, uh, getting better every time at, uh, at, at his technique, if you will, and uh, being able to, to keep the fight standing and avoid submissions. And um, and he's able to avoid the submission, but just can't spend enough time on his feet uh, versus on his back. Caleb Miller gets the um, pretty clear cut decision. Justin, your take. Yeah, I like Crowley a lot. Um, I think, you know, is he with a team or is he kind of just he does his own thing? Um, you know, he he's in Oneida, which is kind of a no man's land, you know. So he's got a few guys around him that they, they get together and train, but he isn't with an established team. However, he did work up in Ohio uh, several weeks during this camp and trained with a team called uh, Team, I want to say it was Team Demolition out of Ohio. And so he did get with a, a, a team for a couple weeks um, for this one. Yeah, I would like to see him uh, step up his training and stuff, man. I, he, I think he looks the part. Uh, I've seen all of his fights so far and, you know, his last two, he's come up short, but uh, still impressed. I mean, Caleb Miller is a is a handful. Um, that was that's a huge step up for Logan, I think. Um, you know, I don't think Caleb will, will be around the amateur ranks for too long. Um, you said Joseph Long is uh, next for Caleb? Yeah, we're looking at probably a 155 title fight. Both those guys undefeated. I think they've both earned it. Yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be a great fight. Mark, what do you think, man? Uh, Caleb Miller, he, he, uh, he's got the goods, huh? Yeah, he's got the goods, man. My main takeaway from that fight was the exponential improvement in Logan Crowley's ground defense and overall cage work. I thought that, uh, he had improved about 500% from his, uh, previous bouts and, uh, he went from having zero submission defenses. We saw him get choked out, uh, five or four to escaping several chokes, transitioning, bridging over um, a lot of more underhooks and, and establishing himself in reversals. And I, I, hell, I can't, I can't sing his phrases high enough. I mean, he may have took the L, but that's, that's a valuable, valuable L that he just took. And uh, I think it's only going to help propel him longer. And Moving on to the main event, this one for the first ever Valor Cruiserweight Championship at 225 pounds. We had Chad the Freak Finnerty coming out of Black Lion Studios in Hittiger, Alabama. Sam McAlpin and company accompanying him with uh, Trevor Peak and the gang, former collegiate wrestler at Purdue, teammate of John Fitch. And uh, he took on uh, Charles Philpot, who uh, I guess is training with the Beverly Brothers now up in Kentucky. Uh, they were there in his corner. And uh, Philpot, of course, with more MMA experience, um, he came in at 4-1 and one and gets a second-round TKO victory um, it was a really back and forth in the first round. You know, I thought that Finnerty was landing a few leg kicks, um, but was not it was was really pressing hard for those takedowns and just wasn't able to to corral him there. You know, and and make anything happen. Started to fade a little bit. It looked like in the second round, and then um, it was uh, Phil Pot um, able to, uh, to 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 get on top. And 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 I don't think he ever really hurt him. I, I think that there wasn't a whole lot of damage done. But ultimately, um, you know, Finnerty just kind of never really improved his position and he got a few warnings from the referee to you know improve his position to do something and just never really could answer so um you know doesn't take a lot of damage but just a lot of a lot of activity there from uh phil pot there at the end uh to seal the deal congratulations to him our first ever uh 225 pound champion justin yeah man um uh, chad spinnery you know wanting to come out and wrestle i'm sure but phil pot got the first takedown um kind of kind of interesting uh 
Chad got back on top for a minute, but football uh, ended the round on top, I think. Um, no, actually, I guess the end of the round, uh, Finnerty, uh took Topot's back. Um, and then the second round, they came out and Topot took him down again and, and uh, just kind of ground and pounded him out. Mark, two guys that um, that are really, really good dudes. <laughs> you know, you hate to see either yeah. one of these guys lose. They're both the, just as nice as nice as a fighter as you could find. Uh, what was your take on this? I mean, uh, I wasn't surprised how it went, really. Um, I tried to hedge my way on Fenerty just trying to get, get up in the rankings, which ultimately probably screwed me pretty good. But, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I was glad to see that, that level of competition, you know, the – we nobody knew what the wrestling was going to hold with both those guys. You know, we 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 had seen Philbaugh plenty in MMA and not so much Infinity, but Infinity had the pedigree. Um, ultimately, the first round I could have called it fairly even. It seemed like Infinity was throwing his leg kicks on the wrong off the wrong foot. Like he would switch to southpaw and then throw that leg kick, almost like he was scared to to throw the right tie kick to the leg was scared of being taken down, so he just switched it up and started leg kicking on the left leg, and I thought he lost a lot of steam with the kicks like that, and it looked kind of unconventional. But when Phil Plot, uh got his back and then wrapped up that uh, left wrist control, I mean, there's only two places you can put your head when you're in a back-mounted crucifix, you know, and uh, anywhere you put it, you're going to get your head smashed. And, uh, you know, I thought Phil Plot took a little bit of mercy on him here or there because he knew it was going to get stopped. You know, there was nowhere he could go. So uh, props to Phil Plot, man, hell of a win, and, Great, great champion move right there. And that wrapped it up for a huge night of fights, a, a really electric atmosphere. It was one of the best, you know, crowds and atmospheres that we've had. Great vibe and uh, just an overall fun night. Very enjoyable. Congrats to all the winners and uh, congrats to all the losers, too, man. Now, anyone that steps in that cage and puts it on the line, you know, props to them. And everyone gave their very best effort. So uh, we thank everyone for that. Thanks to all the sponsors and, of course, the Shed, once again, for being an outstanding host. And we look forward to being back there again next year. And that will wrap it up for this week's episode of the Valor Hour. And uh, I want to thank our co-host, of course, Justin Watson, Mark Laws, for sitting in with us this week. I want to thank our uh, our interviewee, Case Looper, for joining us as well. And, of course, thanks to our sponsors, OOL Rod and Barrill and National Top Roller. Thanks for helping us keep this thing on the air, and uh, we will be back next week. We will recap this uh, weekend's UFC Fight Night 135, Gaethje versus Vic. We'll be checking that out Saturday night on Fox Sports 1, and we'll rally back next week to, uh, to talk about that and more. So don't forget to check it out on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you find your podcast. Make sure you like it, share it, and uh, spread the word so we can keep getting more and more people involved in the conversation. Once again, for my co-hosts, Mark Walls and Justin Watson, this is Tim Loy signing off. Valor Hour, Episode 76. We're gone. Gang, gang. For more information on upcoming events, visit ValorFights.com or find them at Valor Fights on both Facebook and Twitter. This has been the Valor Hour, powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. Do you love college football? Of course you do. 
And there's no better place for your college football conversation than right here on Rush the Field. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and alongside my co-host, veteran coach, scout, and consultant Chris Landry, we're going to break down the college game from all different aspects. Whether it's breaking news, big-time matchups, or just arguing about the rankings, Chris and I will have it all covered. So join us on Rush the Field with me, Scott Seidenberg, and Chris Landry. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 